we're all held back by this rejection in some way. Our fear of rejection is the type of fear that we keep telling ourselves that we shouldn't try this. People wouldn't like it. I would seem silly. But I want people to not have that fear. So before I dive into the actual introduction for this week's episode, um, you may hear a little bit of noise in the background. Um, it's funny, I call it noise because I'm from New York City, but what I'm talking about is uh, is all sorts of tweets and birds and nature sounds. I'm recording this actually um, at the crack of dawn, sitting on the side of a mountain in uh, in Costa Rica where we're on retreat for our uh, Good Life Project Immersion. And... Um, it's very early. The rooster's time clock is a little bit off. He starts crowing here at about 3.30 in the morning, uh, which is kind of funny. But it's a beautiful, incredible place to be. So if you hear all sorts of nature sounds in the background, that's what's going on. It's not actually horns or or things that you might normally see in New York City where I uh, I normally do these. So um, today's conversation, uh, really loved. Um, Jia Jiang is a guy who came to the United States from China at a very young age on his own because he was obsessed with the possibility of entrepreneurship. And when he got here, he discovered not only that he um, ended up in a den of criminals, but um, that he was terrified. He was shut down by the idea of rejection. And rather than running from it, he actually ran into it and launched what he called his rejection project and every day started challenging himself to be rejected. What came out of that is a pretty incredible adventure that's also led to a book that we're going to go into. So really excited to be sitting down and sharing this conversation with John Jang, and I hope you guys enjoyed as well. I'm Jonathan Fields. This is Good Life Project. So I want to actually get into uh, your your recent adventures of the last few years um, and uh, your dance with rejection. <laughs> dance with rejection, I like <laughs> and, it. And where it's brought you, but also you have you have a really powerful and compelling, you know, well, let's call it an origin story, you know. Um, and so I want to go way back with you, okay. you know, like back to um, when you were a kid and where you grew up and what life was like there, and then we'll kind of trace your journey. So I grew up in Beijing, China. Um, everyone born in China it was my generation. It's probably uh, the only child in their family. So I was, and my family like treated me really, really well. They loved me, and they pretty much didn't reject me with anything I was asking. They said yes to everything. So that, that was, by the way, I mean, largely because of legal restrictions, right? Yes, uh, definitely. The government uh, had a law that passed just before I was born because China had too many kids, and then they just said, you know what, no more. Everyone, every family has one kid going forward. It was, it was crazy, but it was what happened. Yeah, that's amazing. So you grew up, um, I, I mean, I, how does that affect just the culture of the way that kids are brought up within families just in general, if most families are sort of one-child families? Yeah, so the only, I think there's there are advantages, you know, I, we got all the love, all the attention from our parents, and uh, we they made sure we got good education. But the thing is, we, the generation that we grew up with had a hard time sharing stuff uh, just because we didn't have any siblings to share uh, we didn't need to feel the need to share to fight over things or which is is everything is mine so uh, it was a little bit tough but also that was the end of the time where I feel it's the end of time where China was still teaching the kid a lot about 
being a revolutionary leader, um, being part of the, um, I guess, uh, socialist society. Nowadays, I think they still talk about it, but not as much as it was before. So at the time, I, I grew up learning about it. It was, it was what I, I thought, um, didn't, didn't fit my fancy, you know, didn't something, not something I wanted to do. So, um, were you, um, but at that time, were you at liberty to feel like you could express the fact that these teachings weren't really didn't strongly didn't resonate with you? No, not really. So when you were a kid, all you wanted was to study well because the teacher uh, were making sure if you are a good student and then they, you were treated really well. If you're a bad student, you weren't treated really well. There was not too much uh, free expression going on. So, but deep down, I just felt it's probably not something I wanted to do. Even though everyone else were, were really emphasizing on academic achievement. That's where they measure everything. And the, the best student goes to a good college and then not to good students. Don't go to college. They're toast basically in society so and and success in life then sort of like in where you grew up was all about academics and where you went to school and then what that led to yeah yeah it was actually weird time because that's when china just kind of opened up its economy and because more westernized there there was you started to see some people are getting rich in the 90s in the early Mm -hmm. 90s um but in the 80s most people aren't weren't rich and but in the 90s you start seeing this financial success that pe- some people had, and their their success wasn't traced back to academic success. That's why there's this weird two track system where society and tells you you have to go to school, do well in, a- academically to succeed. But then there's other track of of a society where it's all westernized, monetized, and the entrepreneurs was they they were the ones who were becoming very successful. So how did you? I mean, coming up in the really early part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you kind of reconcile that? How do you grapple with that? I had a hard time to. <laughs> yeah. Because I, at school, I was like, okay, I got to do well at school. But you know, I, I, I didn't, I wanted to change the world. I just, just so, sounds corny, but I did. I wanted to change the world. I want, I feel there was so much more than just everything was taught in the books. That's when, you know, I, I mentioned when Bill Gates came to China, that he had such a huge impact on me. It was back in 94 and he was promoting Windows 95. I just heard his story. That's when I couldn't reconcile the part, the fact that um, everyone told me I should be a good student, but also there are a lot of people getting rich or being successful. Or they're actually making an impact in society as entrepreneurs. I couldn't reconcile that. Then and, I, and then you have Gates who dropped out of school. Yeah. <laughs> then when I saw him, I thought, okay, now I know, kind of know what I want to be. This is the first time in my life where I found this is the direction I want to go, which is entre- uh, technology entrepreneurship. Was there any support for that at that time? Not really. No, not really. Um, just if if a parents buy you a computer, it's because they tell you you got to go to school, you got to use the computer for academic things. Um, but we we basically just play games mostly. But right. um, yeah. So where do you go from there? So I came to the U.S. That's actually a big turning point in my life. That's where um, when I was 16, I came here as a culture exchange student. So so that was your first time. And, yeah. and the intent was just to sort of like stay here for a short window of time. And Yeah, well, the intent was I want to see if I like it here or not. Uh, if I like the society, I will stay here for, for college. And I loved it here. Uh, even though I went to some some weird place, not like LA, not um, some small town, some somewhere. small town like a rural town in Louisiana. 
So, so you come from Beijing, yes, and you end up in a small town in rural Louisiana. Absolutely, and I thought you gotta this, tell me a little bit more about what that was like. <laughs> it was okay. It's a very small town. It's a、uh, five hundred people.、Um, everyone is the same, talk the same way, look the same way. Well, kind of, but it's there are more cows than people in that town,、um, and there are more churches than stores. It was、um, very different than my vision of the United States. Actually, when I first came to this country, my Exchange program did a horrible job matching up against the family. The family I ended up with, they were like criminal family. Oh my the, god! Yeah, the the firstborn of their 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 family was convicted of murder. He got locked up for for two years, and、uh, not two years for two years before I went. He got locked up for a long, long time. So I went. I was sleeping in his bed, literally, and I didn't know. So so you literally. <laughs> Go from like being a great student in Beijing to being a a student living in a family where like you're sleeping in the bed of their son who was in prison for murder. Yes, in a 500 person town in Louisiana. Yes, and also the story gets crazy, <laughs> crazier. Um, they they also stole all the money I took with me. They are、uh, the free, you know when you first go to a family you I brought some cash with me just to you know, just be with me and the first thing I do is like take me to a bank so I can deposit I don't want to have cash with me all the time and they took I didn't understand a word of English so they made a joint account without me knowing the second day they withdrew all the money so were they I mean were they just in this just scam. Exchange pretty, students, pretty <laughs> much, pretty much. There, it turned out to be what what they were doing. Wow! It was,、um, yeah. The we told our exchange program, we told our school, and they all freaked out. And so they called the police, and、uh, they, you know, the police、uh, went with us to our family, to the to that family, and we got all our belongings, and we just、uh, left, and then they arrested the host family. So,、oh、so, so what did you do then? I mean, did you did you stay in the country, and did you? Yeah,、uh, I did. I changed to another family. Uh, uh, this time, you know, like I'm a. I'm a spiritual person. This is this is a big reason why it was because this new family was just treating me treating me so well, and and they are you know they're I mean they're 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 churchgoers you know they're believers, and they I just saw the love they were showing me. You know I I know love. My family gave me plenty of love. When、uh, when you have friends and relatives, they have would have plenty of love. I did not see the type of love that was shown. From a stranger to stranger,、mm. um, so that's when what drew, what 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 drew me to the faith, and that's when you know I I was baptized there in small town Louisiana,、mm. and、um, it was、uh, so I can see there's a purpose in what went through my life. That's amazing. So you end up going from、um, living with、uh, criminals to finding strangers who showed you love and introduced you to faith. Yes, absolutely. Wow. <laughs> it also just showed me there's lives that、uh, you know. It was also my later story about being rejected. It's it's all this. There's this curve. There's、uh, there's obstacle. There's adversity. It's something that I could not understand at the time, but it turned out to be a blessing later on.、Hmm. Yeah. So you end up staying then with this new family, but that was just still for a short amount of time, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was、right. just a few months after my one year is over that I went to college. Right, so then you came back here to go to college. When, when, but you went back home. So when you went back home, did did like your family know that your intention was now to? No, I didn't go back home. I just、okay. stayed. I、Got、stayed、it. afterward. So. Got it. Tell me more about、um, how Bill Gates is.、Uh, how that impacted you, also, because there's a bigger story there, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, 
the thing is, I want to be entrepreneur, and I found there is a、uh, his path is something that when I was a, I said when I was a kid, I was kind of confused, you know, going to school,、uh, but also wanting to make a change, in the, difference in the world, and he showed that a person,、uh, this pretty smart person, can single-handedly using technology making real impact in the world. That's what really drew me. To this idea, to the idea of entrepreneurship, it was it was what it was what drew me to America. Frankly,、um, I, I love this is a land where you can you can have use an idea, use technology to build all that. That's what I've always wanted, and that's what、um, that's what kind of、uh, led me to the rest of my life. You know, my、uh, my desire to be entrepreneur and my desire to be who I who I am. Right. So so where did you end up going to college? Uh, I went to college. I started at University of Utah,、mm-hmm. and I transferred to Brigham Young University,、right. uh, uh, a, a, a few miles、uh, down down south. It was it was, it was a Mormon school.、Um, yeah. Yeah. So,、uh, um, and it was very. I was the my I was minority in more ways than one. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you started. It's so interesting that you kind of like you, where you came from, and then you end up in small town Louisiana, and then you choose Utah and、mm-hmm. then Brigham Young, also. Yeah.、Um, what's the experience like for you there? And and also, I'm curious that point because you said when you first came here, you you essentially had almost n- no English. Yeah. So by the time you went to Brigham Young, what's I'm curious what it's like to be sort of experiencing all this while you're at the same time really just developing a learning understanding of the language. Yeah, it was it was a crazy time, but. Also, one of the times I I remember really well and fondly because I felt I progressed so much. I came here at age sixteen, and before that in China, I was just an old so-so student. You know, again, it was an environment where everyone was measuring you by how what's your grade、uh, was. Right. So, But, so hyper competitive from an academic standpoint. Yeah.、Right? Then when I got here, I found myself. I found I was progressing with my English.、Um, just、uh, it was like because I was young, because I really wanted to learn. The language I had to force myself to talk to people, and it was just maybe a, a weeks ago I couldn't speak anything. Then a week later I started using some words. The month later I started using, started doing some very rudimentary conversation. I just like that. I felt that progress gave me confidence, and I felt I could do anything if I could learn a new language that fast. If I could need, learn new things that fast, and also it make me adapt. Right? I felt rural Louisiana was pretty tough, but I did, you know I adapted. Um, I'm sure Utah is different from the rest of America, but I adapted.、Um, it was, and I was in the middle of like all my roommates, all my friends, or space. They were all Mormons, but I wasn't. And、um, and but I adapted. So that kind of adapted,、um, adapting made me give me a lot of confidence in whatever I was doing. I, I I could feel that I could succeed in whatever I do. Well, I mean, which is so interesting. And what what is it about? What is it about you that that you feel? And maybe it's an impossible question to answer. I don't know, but I'll but I'll offer it up and tell me what you think.、Um, what is it you feel that allows you to have this lens that just lets you continue to adapt so fluidly to just such a a string of just massively changing? I mean, it, you know, it's, it's radical change in culture and country, and then within the country, you know, from one to the next to the next.、Um, What is it that allows you to, to sort of be so fluid? And it's a great question. Like very few people, I've heard no one has asked me that question. It, I think it was because of my. I feel I have a life. I have a dream to become entrepreneur. I just I was drawn to the idea. So when you have a goal like that, it seems like the journey itself 
becomes more interesting, becomes more um, you can handle almost anything when you have a journey, when you feel on the right path, when you're just making a little small progress. As long as you feel you're making progress, the road wasn't that tough. Even though it's pretty thorny, even though I have to dodge a lot of uh, differences or even danger in the case of my host family, but the road itself felt always felt positive. Um, and I was going toward a goal, or and I knew what I wanted. So I was just this idea about yeah, I don't I hate to equip myself to this uh, to, uh, to 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 uh, Victor Frankl's teaching, um, you, you know, sure, message right, for sure, me. Right. But if he could in that type of environment. Uh, the worst environment you could imagine, you could fathom, you could find meaning. It's because he found meaning and what he was doing, he felt he could handle. So what I went through was actually like heaven on earth compared to some of the worst environments uh, out there in the world. But because, but because I've, I had that meaning, I had that goal, uh, I could adapt, I could change and everything felt okay to me. Yeah, I love that. Um... Because you had like this bigger sense of purpose to frame every experience around it, it made it more, you know, there was, there was a reason for it. Yeah. Um, and, and I get, you know, and, and I certainly get the comparison to Franklin. I get the fact that you're not in any way comparing no, no. what you went through to what he went through, but just sort of the analogy of having that overarched sense of deeper sense of meaning and purpose and stro- working towards something allows you to reframe almost anything that yeah. comes your way. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. So, so you end up, so you end up in college. What did you actually study in college? I studied computer science. Which, okay, but this is interesting too, right? Because you came here saying, okay, maybe the way of, of you know, like to get what I want to do is is not academia; it's entrepreneurship. But you still stayed yeah. for an advanced degree. Yeah, I did. I did. The and then that's where it got me. I think from the second part half of college, then all the way to when I was thirty, basically, that's when I felt I lost that sense of purpose. I felt I was starting measure up, measuring up to other people. I felt I was worrying about looking for a job. I felt there was a pressure from my family to be financially independent, but also not only that, to make a lot of money. So, and then when there is that conflict, the pressure went from inside where I want to be this entrepreneur, I want to change the world. But then there's this, I, uh, this family pressure and also, uh, social pressure from friends to actually measuring up to do well in society. And I felt I chose this, this route, this route of trying to be someone I wasn't. So did you, can you pinpoint a time where you kind of felt yourself starting to lose that vision, yeah. starting to lose it? Yeah, uh, it was uh, in probably in uh, sophomore, maybe junior in college. And I felt computer science was not my thing. Even though I want to be a technology entrepreneur, what I was interested in was in business. I want to learn about business. I want to uh, come up with product ideas and execute. But programming was not my thing. However, my family was really heavily encouraging me to do to stay in mm-hmm. do computer science because that's how you make money, how you find a job, right? So, and then it's the, it's the safe option. It's the yeah. safe option. Right. Uh, and then when because I was not built to be a computer programmer in the is junior and, and senior years. It just got really, really, I struggled hard and it become harder and harder. It was hard for me to graduate. And then when I, after graduated, it was, um, you gotta find a job. It, you know, during school, you gotta find an internship, go get an internship. After graduation, go find a job. Uh, and you gotta find a job right now. And I found a job. I found like a, a software engineering job because I went to a pretty good school because I've got, had this degree. A lot of people wanted me, my service. 
But then I just found that's just wasn't me. That's when I felt I I started losing my purpose. I'm going down the track where I was progressing career wise, but wasn't going toward my ultimate goal of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, and how is how is that affecting you? Just on a personal. I was level. depressed. I was depressed for for a few years. I, I, I can were say. you aware of the fact that you were depressed? Um, not at the beginning, but then later on, people start telling me that you you don't look right. You should you look sad. Like when I see they see me, some friends haven't seen me for a couple months. They saw me. I was like, Yo, Jia, you look really sad. And so and then so I I see I saw a doctor and I was like, What's wrong with me? And and then it turned out to be I had a depression issue for for uh, for about a year, a couple years. Um, starting in in junior in college, mm-hmm. that's really just because I didn't, I kind of lost myself. Yeah. So what and what was the approach to, to starting to refine yourself? <laughs> the one of the big thing is um, I want to find, I, w- I wanted to be, become entrepreneur again, like wanted to become entrepreneur again. So it's tough for me to be in that environment to do it because Utah, you know, and and also is. Um, um, I want to have a career change, basically, and use that jump, uh, use that springboard to become entrepreneur. So I went, I applied for business school, and I, I got into a pretty good one, and that's that kind of took me out of that sense because now I feel like, all right, I'm on I'm on track again, even though it's just a little bit um, self deceiving in the end because going to business school is not necessarily the prerequisite for being entrepreneur. Right, exactly, and that was what the first thing popped into my mind. It's like, okay, so. You you came here because you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Then you went to school. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when you're in school, then there's pressures within school, within like your your classmates and your family, to then like to finish your degree and then to follow the prescribed path. And you start to lose that connection with the reason that you came to the country in the first place. Right. And then you get depressed, and then you realize that you know a big part of it is because you've walked away from this like the big overarching thing that was driving you. Right. And then, but instead of just saying, "Let me go work for a startup," let me go find. You went back to school. I couldn't. I I, I couldn't do that because I w- doing that would would I would feel like it would be too much of a shock to me and my family. Mm. Like my family would not accept that. How I, much did that mean? I mean, how much did that sense of doing right by your family? Um, what tell it, me about that? It meant way too much to me. I mean, because. Um, I had a great relationship. I still have a great relationship with my family, my parents, especially my uncle, who uh, he kind of, uh, he, without him, I would not be able to come to America. He was the one who connected me with the exchange student uh, program. And so I feel, even today, I feel I owe, I owe the world to him. Everything he said to me was feeling like it was gold. It was like almost a word from God I would I have to follow. So and even though he asked, later on I felt, man, I don't want to be a computer programmer. He told me to stay on this track, and I did. He told me to find a job, and I did. I, I kept telling him that I want to be an entrepreneur some, uh, somehow. But he's like, well, if you can be in a company, a small company, you can learn how to be an entrepreneur being in a small company. Or if you go to a big company, which is even better, you can learn how to be, how the business operates. So there's always a way to persuade me to actually go down this route. Mm-hmm. Just a different way of uh, you know, saying you can be an entrepreneur later on. Yeah. So, and even business school is the same, same thing. I couldn't quit my job to become, to uh, start a company because that would not be accepted by my family. But I feel going to business school is a great way to actually somehow feel like I'm t- going toward that goal, but also getting accepted in my family. My family was like, business school, graduate school, sounds good. 
you should you should go. Right, because it's uh, like okay, now you're furthering your education. Yes. Right? Yeah. So what did you study in business school? Um, I didn't have a major. It was like just just uh, just general management. Right. Uh, it's it's actually. And what was your goal when you were there? I want. <laughs> I, I should have read in my application letter. It was I want to be this entrepreneur. I want to change the world. But when I got into business school, I just felt wow. There's again, I was I succumbed to social pressure. Everyone there, they were not entrepreneurs. They were trying to work for someone. They're trying to make a bigger paycheck with a right. career change. Investment banking, consulting, marketing, corporate finance. These were the things people really look into. And then I succumbed to the pressure of finding a job. So, and that's what you did afterward? I did. I, that's what I did afterward. Right. So, um, all right. So what happens? <laughs> okay. I know it's like, you know, what now what, right? It was uh, until I was 30. Um, I got married. Uh, I married my wife. She was really, really that she's the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. Um, and she, when I was 30, I got the news that she's pregnant and we're about to have our kid. Now, this is the uh, comes to Jesus moment to, for me because now I know I'm 30. First of all, I'm 30. I, no, I, get, I can no longer say this is family pressure because now I, I'm going to be a parent. And where's that kid who wanted to be Bill Gates? Where, where's that kid? Where's the kid who just wanted to change the world? And just, he had excuses. He had uh, family pressures. But also, everything was, he, he made all the choices eventually. He can't blame on everyone. Um, and eventually, he ended up a 30-year-old guy in a corporate, in a company, a Fortune 500 company, collecting really good income, climbing a, uh, a corporate ladder. That's not what he wanted. So I did not want to tell my kid that, because you were born, I want to be responsible dad, and I want to, and I, that's why I had to stay in, have a job, and have a job and provide for my family. I wanted to say to my kid that because you were born and you become the catalyst for me to actually eventually really looking for, uh, going after my dreams, so I can be an inspiration example for you, and you can look for your, uh, go after your dreams as well. So that was a turning moment in my life wasn't um, or much earlier was some, when I turned 30 I said I have to quit my job and be and really um, make my own choice here yeah so um what did you do I quit my job and I started uh, building my company in a few months I built I found a team um, uh, and I started building uh, these uh, these apps um, that we I felt had a great future I was interviewing customers I was looking for um, uh, doing marketing and I was looking for investment. So this is where this crazy thing happened um, Four months into my venture. By the way, my wife gave me six months to do this right. job. And that, that, I'm glad you went there because that was my yeah. next question. It's like, okay, so you're married, you've got a newborn kid, you know, like she marries this rock star with like a, on a great corporate trajectory and then you're like, hey, I'm quitting. Yeah. <laughs> She she's actually very supportive. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it it took a little bit of back and forth trying to figure it out because to her that was a big change as well. You know, I'm with, sure your yeah. your husband wants to quit his job, and uh, but eventually she said you gotta do it. Um, and not only you gotta do it, but let's have a goal. Let's have a deadline. She gave me six months um, to see if we can make any traction. That's really she said six months do whatever you want. Okay, make it happen. But by the end of six months, let's really evaluate. And I'm going to set certain goals for you, certain metrics for you. If you re reach those metrics, let's keep going. Otherwise, you can look for a job again. And that's actually very liberating. 
to have an end goal like that because it's really hard to just step out of the world saying I'm an entrepreneur. You know, I'm I'm changed. My life has changed forever. That that there's no end inside. That's when I feel I would get in trouble. But if I have a short term goal and that I feel there is an end inside and there's there's a goal, and that that felt actually liberating. Yeah, no, I love that example. Actually,、um, it's something. It's funny you you sharing that with me reminds me. It was something that I actually I had been asked about many times, and、I、actually wrote about in in, in my first book. And、uh, but I haven't really revisited much since then. Is the idea of when you're a little bit further into life and you decide to you know, like enter the world of entrepreneurship, that very often it's not you're not so much looking for you know and. And and there are people who are really close to you, and you're not going to just walk away from them if they don't totally buy into your like crazy vision. You're like they matter to you. Yeah. You know that very often the conversation is really much more about, hey, listen, this is. Let me explain why this is so important to me. Let me explain what not doing it、mm-hmm. is doing to me and、yeah. to, and to us.、Exactly. And and then I, and I'm not going to ask you to just give me unlimited bandwidth forever and just trust me forever. But can we come to just an agreement where we both feel like. This is an amount of time where I should be able to, or,、yeah. or like, like, the, I, the, I need to make something happen, and we're both okay, you know, like, and, and and like you said, we'll reexamine. It's not a matter of like everything ends and shuts down at the end of that、yeah. time, but let's look at what you know can can happen in that window of time, and then reassess whether it makes sense for for the family, yeah, for you to continue on this path, absolutely,、um, or not. And I think that's such an important conversation, and I love that frame. Yeah. That you brought to it that a lot of people don't have because it's sensitive and、yeah. they don't know how to handle it, and they, so they just don't want to have the conversation. And they don't want to also be confined, somehow confined by the time frame, yeah, by by a runway. But、I、the constraint can actually really create a lot of energy behind it. Could. It. Yeah, it could. It's the creativity actually is not necessary because we have no limits, but we found ways to overcome to solve problems within a certain limits. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah,、so、and there's great research around that. I mean, constraint really increases innovation and creativity.、So. Absolutely, and also it's a great tool to convince. People,、mm-hmm. it's not in our family. She's very close to her parents. I'm very close to my parents. And for her, she has a lot of my wife has a lot of pressure with her parents because they're they were not happy with、mm-hmm. the fact that the provider of the family was quitting his job. But the the conversation goes from this guy's gonna quit his job. He's gonna be entrepreneur going forward. It's like he's gonna take. We are together gonna have a six months period. We're gonna try this, make it really big. And if it doesn't work. We're we're gonna be back to the trajectory we were on before. Don't worry about it. So that is a lot easier to swallow,、uh, for for the for people who are close to you. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So so what happens? Yeah. So four months into my venture, I was rejected. It was an investment which I felt I got a really good chance to of getting, and、uh, because I wanted it so bad, and I got rejected, it I was hurt really bad.、Um, there I felt somehow I felt that rejection. Was the probably the hardest of all the rejections I've gotten in life. I got a lot of rejections, but but because that was the closest to me achieving my ultimate dream in life of being an entrepreneur, it was really close. It, I, it was it was I felt it was almost do or die. You know, otherwise I wouldn't meet my goal in six months. So four and a half months into my venture, I got rejected with that investment, and then I just felt maybe. This is God telling God telling me that I should quit a couple months, a month and a half earlier. Maybe this is a sign from above for me to look for another job. And then this is where I had another conversation with my wife. My wife said, "No matter what, you know, you can't, you can't quit. Like I give you six months, I didn't give you four, and you have time left. Why don't you、um, keep going and and 
and um, and just just leave nothing uh, out. But the thing is, I wanted to do, but then I found wow, I just it was so hard for me to get myself up again. It's just because I was so afraid to be rejected again. I was so afraid, and then that's where I started looking for this thing online to see how I can overcome my fear of rejection. That's where I found this um, game called Rejection Therapy. Uh, some of you know, I'm sure some of your listeners would know this. On NPR a few a couple months ago, there was a big talk about rejection therapy. It was okay. it was invented by this guy named Jason Comley. We're still friends nowadays, but I love that idea. And I took that approach. I, I'm like, I'm gonna start a video blog about rejection, uh, me getting rejected. I want to invent my own rejection attempts. Basically, the idea is going out there to get rejected one day at a time, uh, looking for rejection instead of instead of running away. So by the end, you can become more fearless. So it's like exposure therapy. Exposure therapy, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I, I'm like, I'm not gonna do this for three days. I'll do this for a hundred days. I will film myself. Um, was the iPhone of me getting rejected, and I would start a video blog. So that's what I did. So you go from from um, working on your app company, getting yeah. really close, and then getting a you know, like a big painful no from an investor saying, "Okay, the thing that's really stopping me, like this is this is hurting me on a level that is just it's shutting me down." Yeah. So how do I deal with that? But then instead of just saying, "Let me make this a personal process." Yeah. Like, let me figure out how to get through my my approach to rejection. You decide. To let do, me make this a big public thing. <laughs> yeah, just to blow it up, you know. And uh, in your mind, was were you thinking, well, maybe this is the entrepreneurial venture, maybe this is the future, or no. was this more just like public accountability? Like, what was behind? Well, yeah, there are two parts. One is, as, as you mentioned, public account public accountability. Um, it was. I wrote a blog post before this all happened when I was doing uh, building my app, and I that blog post you know, I posted I posted on Hacker News. Mm-hmm. It got a lot of uh, responses. It got me thinking on a lot of things. And I'm like, okay, if you for the for those that don't know, by the way, Hacker News is sort of a it's like a front page in the this the tech startup community where yeah. it, if if an article gets popular there it can it, it'll blow up and send a, a huge amount of traffic to it yeah so i got a lot of feedback and people telling me about the topic i was talking about and i i didn't know blogging before at all and I, I thought that was some sort of a public you know journaling that that does you know that does you no good but that moment i thought oh i could connect with all these strangers so with this whole rejection thing maybe i, I should blog about it as well one i want to ask the world to hold me accountable and second part there's a small part of me is thinking if this thinking thing can become big it might bring traffic to my to my to my business as well mm-hmm. so there's also part of me was incentivized to do it right so you start to go into this, this whole exploration and what what happens well the first day um, um, I went to a stranger on, uh, in my office and asked to borrow $100 from that guy. And, uh, and he just, um, I said, can I borrow $100? Can I borrow $100 from you, sir? And he, he reads up, he saw me, he was like, no, why? And, and I just start running. I just run away right after. I'm like, I'm, oh, no, I'm sorry. I just run because I was so scared. And I, I just, I saw myself. How, how nervous were you walking up oh my that gosh. first time? I, I couldn't believe how, how scared that was. So I filmed myself with my iPhone before I walk in. Up the, I did the monologue saying, okay, this is my first day. I'm going to borrow $100 from you and see what happens. And then that night, I saw myself uh, doing, uh, watching myself on the video. And I saw, wow, 
You're really scared. You look like this、uh, kid from Sixth Sense. You know, I see dead people. <laughs> I was seeing dead people, and as I just, but I thought that was a microcosm of my life. Every I was so scared of rejection, and everything. When as soon as I hear someone says no to me, I just run away as as fast as could, and never never go back again. But the guy did not wasn't menacing. The guy wasn't you know whipping out tasers and calling police or you know he was just asking me why. He was kind of intrigued of what why why I would ask him for a hundred dollars. But because I was so scared, I ran away. So I said to myself the second day, no matter what happens. I'm not gonna run away. So the second day, I went to a Five Guys Burger.、Um, I'm sure it's very popular in this area of the country too.、Um, and I asked, like, after getting a burger, I asked the cashier, "Can I get a burger refill?"、Um, he's like, "What?" He didn't. He wouldn't believe I was saying. He was like, "What's burger refill?"、Uh, I said, "It's just a drink refill, but with a burger." And.、Um, And he was like, "I'm sorry, we don't do that, man."、Um, I'm like, "I love your burger. If you do drink、uh, burger refill, I would love you guys a lot more." He said, "I'll, I'll tell my I'll tell my manager about it." I don't think he I don't think they made the the change. <laughs> But then I left and I saw. Okay, I did not run away. I put some humor into this. I didn't feel too bad. I wasn't too scared. So that was like, uh huh. Okay, I can I can learn things this quickly. It's not just about exposure. It's really about learning as well.、Hmm. So it was like you, it, it, right? It, you tried something different. Yeah. You're like, let me let me bring some humor into it. Let me、yeah. sort of like approach it and see if it changes the dynamic. Yeah. So as and then as the third day was like my life changed again on that day forever. I I, I think and I hope that day that that day I was driving down、uh, to my office and I got stuck in traffic. I saw there was this、uh, Krispy Kreme sign. On the street, Krispy Kreme. For those who who don't know, is、uh, you know, it's a donut shop. And I thought, what if I ask for them to interlink five donuts into an Olympic ring shape?、Um, and、um, there's no way they would say yes, right? But that's my rejection attempt of the day. So I went there and asked them to make me Olympic donuts. The thing is,、uh, her name's Jackie. She was a shift leader, and she took my request so seriously. She was writing down colors. She was trying to see how she could make it. She was collaborating with me, and fifteen minutes later, she br- she brought out a box of donuts that looked like Olympic rings. That's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, and and、um, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how the the type of、um, the type of customer service and just just human kindness that was in that in that episode. So I I uploaded that video online. And、uh, it blew up. It became like a viral video, with over five million people viewed it.、And、it got on front page of Yahoo. It was on Huffington Post. It was on front page of Reddit. It was on everywhere. It was in the UK. Was um was was the Daily Mail. It was、uh, people started just you know, because of that. Random people started emailing me, asking me. Uh, you know that was really cool, but why are we doing? Were you doing this? Somehow they thought what I was doing was somehow inspiring. The idea of looking for rejection was inspiring, and that kind of got me thinking because I thought maybe I was the only person who was afraid of rejection, but it turned out to be a lot of people are afraid of rejection.、Yeah. They started sharing their life stories with me, and then it got me a chance to actually see rejection even more. So、um, you start to gain this national exposure and national audience, and in your mind at this point, are you still thinking 
I'm getting cl- I only have a couple of weeks left in my six months, or are you kind of shifting gears? Oh, absolutely. It was, sh- I was shifting gears right. because uh, our, part of our metrics is about how many people you can um, touch, how many customers you have. And just from that alone, because of that exposure, thousands of people sign up to my service, to, to my app without even me asking them to. What, what was the app, by the way? The <laughs> app was called uh, um, Hooplus. Basically, it was a, um, uh, it was a, about gamif- gamif- gamifying um, uh, promises. So basically, if you have, if I make a promise to you, Jonathan, um, you know, I will show up here at your studio and then I'll send you that promise. Then if I fulfill it, you check it, you check it off, give me a score. Mm-hmm. So I made this gamification thing. So now we fulfill promises to each other and, but also we receive some sort of reward virtually. Right. So that's starting to, so the, the rejection thing, which you were just doing as a personal experiment, yeah. starts to build a huge amount of public attention and then it starts to actually serve the other side of things. Yeah, absolutely. And to a point that I felt I'm getting so much attention or so much request from this rejection thing instead of uh, this uh, app I was building. So maybe I should make a shift. Because, you know, Paul Graham, who was the founder of Y Combinator, he talked about uh, the best startup ideas are not the cool ideas in your head that you just try to make yeah. something happen. It was for you to solve a problem. And there's a lot, of, it seems like there's a lot of bigger problem here with people are being afraid of rejection than, um, than this promise app that you were doing. Right. Okay. So then well, how do you respond to that? Well, I said, I'm going to focus on my entrepreneurial adventure to this, to this rejection thing. I'm going to, um, I'm going to start focus, keep my blogging going, but I'm going to focus on uh, using technology and, and, and in different ways to, uh, to build an app where you're not afraid of rejection to help people overcome their fear of rejection. Mm. And did you? Actually, I'm, I took a rain check on, on it because <laughs> I started um, getting uh, invites to, to speak at different conferences. And I, I think that's where we met at, at World right, Domination yeah, Summit in, in, the, in Chris Gillibo's conference in Portland, Oregon. It was about a couple of years ago. And then I gave a talk there. It was very successful. Like there are 3,000 people there giving me standing ovations. And afterward, um, uh, Chris, a publisher, um, actually reached out to me and, and saying, that talk was great. The story was great. If you can actually turn that into a book, it can help a lot of people. Then I thought it, it gave me another shift. I'm like, book is another product, right? Uh, the blog is another plot pr- product. It's not like there's different ways you can uh, uh, you can touch people. It doesn't have to be technology, at least not right now. If there's this opportunity to write a book about this uh, this story to over to help to inspire people to help people, so they're not afraid of the rejections anymore. Maybe it's, it's a way to go. So I spent a lot the the, the uh, a whole year writing my book. And I found, you know, not everyone was presented with type of, this type of, of opportunity. I was had this opportunity because there's a problem, and I want to solve that problem. So book was the starting point. So, and the story in the book then is, it's really, it's your journey. It's, you know, it's, and, and you did, in fact, continue this project. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I did 100, a whole 100 uh, rejection attempts. I got a lot of yeses, got a lot more noes. Uh, but the thing is, the interesting part is, it's not just about that story. I discovered a lot about life, about business, about negotiation, about human nature. You know, I went to a pretty good school and I, I was in uh, corporate America for a long time and I thought I learned a lot about business. But 
in those 100 days, I learned more about business. I learned about more about life and uh, courage than I ever did being in business, being at business school and being in corporate America. It's like a quick, super fast, almost like an MBA life course. Then, and it not only expanded my comfort zone, I feel I'm a lot more courageous afterward. But I learned how to get people to say yes to me. I learned how to, after hearing no, I know I learned how to turn that no into a yes. And none of that involved me saying something that's not true, trying to sell something that's like a second heart, uh, second hand car salesperson. I learned all that being authentic and confident. So, and that's then I put a lot of research into this. That's how how the book came about. Man, um, what an amazing, uh, you know, it's funny you use the word pivot in technology yeah. startups, and it's like an interesting pivot because for you, it's pivot away from a, a focus on how can I build a company around technology to solve a problem, and um, it's more just like you know, okay, I was trying to solve my own personal problem. I did it in a public way for a variety of reasons, and discovered the fact that there is probably a global community of people who who experience the same pain on a regular basis and they're in some way resonating with my approach to moving into it rather than avoiding it and suffering from it and how can I how can I share my message and um and it's interesting that you sort of you were open to the book as sort of this interesting all it's almost like it's 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 an alternative path to entrepreneurship for you it is it is i mean being entrepreneurial is about solving a problem it doesn't have to be like being a being in technology it doesn't have to be about writing code it doesn't have to be about making sales it could be if you can solve the problem but also make it profitable that's entrepreneurship and I, you know, I felt I'm, I found a new approach. Not a, it's probably one of the oldest approaches. Not a new approach, right. but I found a different pro- approach to a different problem than I originally intended. But it all happened because I make that step to win from uh, not not going after my dream and feeling the regret every day about I should have been tra- chasing my dream. Um, to when I when I went on this journey to to start my own company. So, so as we're speaking, it's uh, kind of on the eve of the book's launch. Um, you know, it's a couple of weeks before that. Um, so the book is done, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's done. Yeah, <laughs> Thank, thankfully. Um, and you're about to uh, launch this to the world and I guess probably travel around a whole bunch and share the message and go into it. Um, how did, because I know that your families and your wife's and her families input and lens on the way that you are choosing to invest your energies is really important to you. How have, how have they viewed, um, this, uh, this latest evolution? Um, basically amazement. Um, my, my wife was amazed. Um, I'm, I feel the success or the, the traction I'm getting though. There's, if there's one person I feel deserve this the most is my wife. She put up a lot to, um, especially from her family side about me doing this and it bring her sense of pride and kind of a justification or, or for what she was advocating because she was advocating for me and she believed in me so too you know and, and we had a lot of prayers together and and just making trying to make this happen and this i feel the the best for her in more than more than anyone and also our family members they're like all very proud they turn doubts and turn like suspicion uh into this um sense of pride so i'm 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 i'm, I'm in a pretty good place um because just because you know i took a chance and and um 
it, it turned out to be something completely different than, than I was looking for, but much better. So, so you know, a few weeks from the launch of this, uh, this next big manifestation, you know, launch of the book, and I'm guessing there's probably a lot of other stuff spinning in your mind about how you're going to leverage that to help people. What's your greatest hope for what you're about to do? My greatest hope is I just want to have this thing impact as many people as possible. I, I really don't care about how much money this will generate, but I want to, because I know where we all have, no matter who you are, how successful you are, or you have, people have different dreams. People have different aspirations. It doesn't have to be entrepreneurship. It could be a career. It could be just taking on more responsibilities. It could be just a, a being an artist. A lot, but we're all held back by this rejection in some way. Our fear of rejection is the type of fear that we keep telling ourselves that we shouldn't try this. People wouldn't like it. I would seem silly, but I want people to not have that fear. I hope it's through this book or that's in, not through a book, through me speaking or through whatever, through uh, me, my, my uh, video or some other people through their example. I want people to get rid of that fear and just try things and, and don't really care about what other people think of you. Don't be enslaved to people's opinions. That's really the ultimate thing I'm, I wanted to happen. So I want to many people know about this as possible. Mm. Very cool. So, um, so name of this is a uh, is good life project. So, if I offer that that term out to you to live a good life, what does it mean to you? Um, if you don't have meaning in life, find that meaning in life. Once once you find the meaning, go after your meaning. I really think this is a good life. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I really enjoyed that conversation. If you found it valuable as well, um, would so appreciate if you would just head on over to iTunes, take a couple of seconds, and uh, let us know. Share, um, share a review or a rating. Always honest. And um, if you found this episode, the conversation, valuable, and you think other people, maybe friends or family, would enjoy it and benefit from it, go ahead and share it with them as well. And as always, if you want to know what's going on with us at Good Life Project, then head over to goodlifeproject.com check it out we're uh enrolling our annual camp glp uh, summer camp for world shakers makers and entrepreneurs right now really really awesome stuff going on um in august of this year and that's it for this week i'm jonathan fields signing off for good life project